<laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Branches. I'm Amanda Clark. I'm the pastor here, and I'm thrilled that you're here today. Thank you for being here. I uh, want to especially welcome those of you who came for the first time today. Thank you for choosing to be with us at Branches today. And I want you to know that I, I'm going to talk about the offering a little bit, and that's for people who are regular attenders here and call this their church home. You don't have to worry about that part. We're just so glad you're here as our guest. But for those of you who are here with us for the first time today, um, we would love for you to fill out the orange Connect card that you should have received from me as you came in the door today. You can put that in the drop box on your way out, or um, I'll be at the doors after service for you to hand it to me. For everybody else, if you came prepared to give, you can give via cash or check at the box in the back, or maybe you've already set up uh, automated giving on our website, branchesvineyard.org slash give, and we are thankful for the ways that you are participating in building Jesus' kingdom in Warsaw through the ministry of branches. Thank you so much. I also want to give you an update on a special fund we've had for the last month and a half. It's our lighting project fund. So as we've been talking about, we um, have only one working light in our parking lot. It's becoming dangerous in the winter with it getting dark so early, and we'd like to switch all of the ballast out to um, LED. And we are raising money for that. And we right now we need about three to four thousand dollars. And right now we have twelve hundred. So if you uh, would pray and consider about giving to that fund, we'd be so grateful uh, to make it a bit safer for our youth, our small groups, and for our friends over at CrossFit Haymaker who use our parking lot during the week and allow us to use theirs on the weekends. I want to let you know, too, that this coming Wednesday is the last and perhaps the greatest family fun night of the summer. Woo! The reason it is so great is because it's taco night, and tacos are the best, practically a religion. Uh, And so we are having that this coming Wednesday, 6 to 8, bring a dish to share, uh, taco-related, and we'll have a trivia night going to be really fun. This is a great night to invite friends to. Please show up. Please bring a friend. And women, I want you to know that the women's retreat that we are sharing in with the Syracuse Vineyard is coming up really fast in just a couple weekends, the last weekend of the month. There is still time to sign up, but this is the last week to sign up. The retreat is going to be at Epworth Forest. The speaker is a woman I've heard many times. She's excellent. You're going to gain a lot from her, and it'll be a time to just be together and have a weekend off. Sounds great, right? Get signed up. Okay, so back in February, we started talking about the vision of our church for this season, and I introduced our seasonal vision to you, which is building a loving, spirit-centered community. And today we're focusing on the spirit-centered part. Now, from the very beginning of Branches, our mission has been to become a group of people that are intimately connected with the vine, Jesus, with a heart to branch out to the community of Warsaw and see lives changed for God's kingdom. 
And the mission is our why. It's why we exist as a church. It's a mission hopefully big enough that it will, we'll never reach it in our lifetime. Because to reach it, it would mean that every single person in the city of Warsaw has experienced the love of Jesus through branches. And that's a pretty big mission. And it's supposed to be. But vision is different. Vision is the how. How we move toward our mission in this season, in this moment in the life of our church. And so to move toward our mission, I gathered a team of our leaders, and together we asked several questions over the course of two weekends that helped us to um, discern our vision. So we asked questions like, why did we personally, individually, say yes to branches? Maybe that would be a really appropriate question for you to ask yourself. What made you say yes? What made you say, I'm in? We asked um, questions like, what do we hope Branches is known for in our community in 10 or 20 years? How did COVID affect our church in specific ways? What areas in our church life right now are right or wrong or missing, or confused. And we discussed how during COVID, polarization in our society affected relationships. It harmed them. Some relationships were broken. Community was injured as our social capacity became diminished. We knew we needed to rebuild community and strengthen our ability to love each other, even in our differences. We wanted to grow our church family by becoming a church where it's normal to invite friends to church. We knew we needed to make our children's ministry a safe, inviting place for new families. We want to grow a church family where it's normal to pray for each other in the power of the Spirit and where our leaders model life in the Spirit, a life obeying Jesus and becoming more like him. And that and many more questions and prayer brought about the one big question, what is God calling us to in this season? And we decided to sum it up in this short phrase, building a loving, Spirit-centered community. So then our preaching team, we got together, and we wanted to make all of our messages this year speak to this vision. And so far in the year, we've talked an awful lot about building loving community. And, and listen, I didn't even remember what I preached three months ago without looking it up, so I'm going to give you a quick recap. Before Easter, we talked about Jesus at the table, and we followed Jesus around Galilee, stopping for dinner at several homes. And in each of them, Jesus demonstrated in different ways that in the community he was building, we learned to love and value people who are not like us. People who society has called outcasts or misfit or unlovable. People we don't think we can love. People we don't necessarily want to love or even like. And then we did a series called Under Pressure where we talked about the internal struggles that make it difficult to open ourselves to community. We considered how our social capacity was diminished in COVID while our anxiety rose and how we can move toward a more embodied faith that helps us to embrace those tensions and move through them. We talked about resisting an either-or mentality so that we can love and stay in community with people who view social issues completely opposite of us. 
And we just finished our series on the art of neighboring where we talked about fostering a loving community with the people we actually live around, building relationships that look more like the coming kingdom of peace and mutual care that Jesus is bringing. And all of that has been about building loving community. Building a loving community is about learning to love people that you don't naturally like or feel aligned with. It's about sitting with our internal pressures and working through them so that we can love ourselves and love others better. It's building actual relationship with our real neighbors so we can partner with Jesus and bringing his kingdom to our physical space. But today, I want to spend time emphasizing that all this community building happens by the Holy Spirit in us. Our vision isn't just to build a loving community. It's to build a loving, spirit-centered community. If we leave the Holy Spirit out of the conversation, this is just a bunch of work we have to do to become better people, more unpleasant things to get done on our already packed schedule. I don't even want to do it. Listen, I just graduated. My life goal right now is to sit on our back porch, watch the neighbor's cat stalk around our yard like tiny panthers, and eat half a watermelon in one sitting out of the shell. Feels pretty attainable, you know? That's all the work I'm signed up for right now. But our vision is to build a loving, spirit-centered community. And that's key here. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, who the Father sent to us as a gift to reside in people who belong to Jesus. The Spirit is the one to transform us into people who are like Jesus. That means we don't have to try to constantly remember and be good at all the things we're supposed to be doing. Like, okay, today... I need to find someone I really don't like and try to be nice to them. And I need to be present with my social anxiety and go to a party. Anyways, anyone have a party I can go to? I need to make a pie. Who even makes pie anymore? To take to the neighbor after work along with the 10 other important tasks and errands I have to tend to in my free time this evening. That sounds exhausting. But we were given the Spirit of God to live in us, and that takes some of the pressure off. I'll I'll get to my point more clearly, but for now, the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit living in us the same way that the Holy Spirit lived in Jesus. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of his baptism. And I want to read to you that story in Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. When Jesus began his public ministry, the first thing that happened was that he was baptized in water, and at that moment he was filled with the Holy Spirit when the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And the reason that matters is that the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus was given to us. When Jesus left the earth, he gave us the privilege of hosting the same Holy Spirit that he did. In the book of Acts, we read the story of how this happened. And see, uh, the book of Acts was written by Luke, 
the same Luke that wrote Luke's gospel. And so right off the bat, in the very first verse of the book of Luke, he says, in my first book, referring to the gospel of Luke, I told you, Theophilus, the person he's writing to, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after his chosen apostles, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, that he had actually risen from the dead. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized in water, but just in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus told his disciples, and by extension, all of us, that they would receive the same gift of the Holy Spirit that he had, and the Spirit would live in them permanently the way it did in him. Jesus told us that the Spirit would speak to us what Jesus wanted us to hear, and that the Spirit would give them power they needed to do the ministry he'd called them to do. And once they were filled with the Spirit, they did find, if you read on in the book of Acts, that they were filled with a new energy and courage to do what they hadn't experienced before, to do things that they couldn't do before. So I want to focus in for the rest of the sermon on the Spirit and the role of the Spirit in our lives. And it's not by any means an exhaustive study of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God, and so God interacts with us in countless ways. But I want to give two over overarching ideas. They're nothing new to you, but it's important to keep talking about the Holy Spirit if we're to be a Spirit-centered church. So in Galatians, it says, now we might not have this one. Ah, look at that. You got it. Good job fixing it, Paige. Well done. So I say, uh, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Does anybody know of this struggle? I do. feels real to me. And then he says, But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Okay, that bit's tricky. Let me break it down. Paul's writing this letter to a group of people in uh, the city of Galatia who were not Jewish. They were Gentiles, like most of us, which means that they had never followed the Jewish law. And then they became Christians and followers of Jesus. And because Christianity was birthed out of the Jewish faith, some people were pressuring this group of Christians to follow the Jewish law, which Paul thinks is ridiculous because they're not Jewish. So Paul's telling them here that if they will just walk by the Spirit, they don't need to feel obligated to follow the Jewish law of Moses because the Holy Spirit is enough to lead and guide them without following the law. And the Spirit is enough for you. I want to set up the next verse a little bit too. Paul has been using the phrase sinful nature, and he will continue to. Sinful nature refers to that part of us that fails to love well. Sinning is just failing to love well. It doesn't mean that we're bad. It means that we've 
know what we should do, we know what we want to do, what our best self would do, and we fail to do it. So failing to love ourselves well, failing to love others well, failing to love God well. And what Paul gives to describe that is a list of some of the specific ways that we fail to love well. So he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, he keeps going, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. When I was younger, I felt fearful when I read that last verse. I was like, well, I know I haven't been involved in any sorcery, so whew, but at least half of this list describes me at times, and like probably two or three of them describe me right now. So what does that mean? Will I, will I not inherit the kingdom of God? What, what does that mean? Will I not go to heaven? But Paul's point here is that when a person lives a whole lifetime driven by selfishness, and they fail to love well, they won't experience the fruit or the rewards of living in a way that causes flourishing. When we live like the kingdom of God is actually coming into our lives, we flourish. And the way we love other people enriches them to flourish. But if we live a life committed to envy or jealousy or anger directed at the people around us or self-serving casual sex or substance abuse or lots of other failures to love well, we will not experience the kind of inner peace and joy and healthy life-giving relationships that were intended for us. We won't inherit or harvest the good things of life lived in God's kingdom. But Paul has good news for us. You've probably heard this one. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things, he says. And these are the fruit of the kingdom in our lives. Think of this like an actual fruit tree. My brother and sister-in-law are here today, and we just went on a mini road trip to Michigan, and we were in Traverse City, and we decided to go cherry picking. So fun. And so um, we like climbed up into the trees, and we're picking cherries, and we learned the meaning of the phrase cherry picking, because not all of them are worth picking, and there's gajillions of them. And it was really fun to like connect that bag of beautiful Bing cherries in the store that right now cost $1 million, right? And you, um, it connected it to like a real tree that grows real fruit. It was so fun. And, and that's like what's happening in us. When we are, are growing in the fruits of the Spirit, when we're responding to God's Spirit in us, we find that suddenly we have access to some joy we didn't have before. We have access to some patience with our coworkers that wasn't there before. We find ourselves being good in ways that we didn't want to, to before. 
We're transformed day by day while the Spirit grows this kind of fruit in our lives. The Spirit works uniquely in each one of us according to our personality, communicating with us the way that we're designed. And that's because the Spirit loves us and knows us and created us and works to heal us where we've been hurt and broken. The Spirit works to make us more selfless, more loving and good toward others. We're less likely to spout off at the mouth and say hurtful things. Less likely to linger in a cycle of harmful self-thoughts. The Spirit is gentle with us, changing us, prompting us, nudging us degree by degree so that it doesn't feel exhausting. And listen, we absolutely are to obey those promptings. Our will is involved here. We have to choose to follow the Spirit. But there's two things that are true. We won't do it perfectly and that's okay. And the more we listen and and do it, the better we get at hearing and understanding what the Spirit is saying. And all of this adds up to a more authentically loving community. Like not where we plaster on our Sunday smile, you know, and like, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Also fine? Well, we have all kinds of like irritation or envy or general ill will toward each other inside. If we're letting the Spirit guide our lives, we're all becoming authentically more loving toward one another. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you because you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, you may find that it's really hard to make positive changes in your life, the kind of changes that would cause your flourishing. When Jesus died for us, his death and then coming back to life, it broke the death grip that sin held over humans, by which I mean that part of us that fails to love well, even though we really want to love well. The parts of us that behave in self-destructive ways or harmful ways to ourselves and others, we see it coming. We don't want to act like that, and we do it anyway. You know what I'm talking about? Well, Jesus broke that power when he died and rose again. And so he gave us the power by his Holy Spirit to choose what is good and right for us, to cause our flourishing. And if you need that power in your life, I invite you to give your life to Jesus today. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and find a new power to make choices that bring about flourishing in your life. The Holy Spirit is working to transform us and to make us into an authentically loving community. But the Spirit is powerful. The Spirit is the person who raised Jesus from the dead. That's a lot of power. So the Spirit can do more than, like, make us not be turd sandwiches. There's a higher capacity at play here. More can happen. The Holy Spirit also empowers us with specific gifts of the Spirit to minister to each other and help each other. So let me read to you a passage from another letter Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And he says in that letter, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. 
He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The Spirit empowers us to minister to others. When the Spirit moved through Jesus, supernatural stuff occurred, healing and miracles. When the Spirit moved in Jesus, he asked deep, compelling questions that provoked new thoughts in people. He had faith to see past their appearance. He had wisdom that astounded his critics. And if we follow Jesus and we have the Spirit living in us, it means that we can receive at least one of these gifts as well. And we need these gifts. And this is what we can offer to each other in the body of Christ. Some of these gifts, of course, just come into play in our conversations with each other. I've been guided in my life multiple times by a person saying, well, maybe you could think about it this way. And then they offer something to me so wise that I know the Holy Spirit was operating in them in that moment. Other times I've received prayer and it was, and the person said something like, I think this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And what they say next is specifically and exactly what I need to hear for the situation I'm going through that they don't know about. I've seen people be healed of physical problems in this church. And, and we can cultivate these kind of practices here at Branches. The church family is the one and only place where it's normal to practice the gifts of the Spirit with each other. And even they won't happen here. They won't become normal unless we pursue them, unless we earnestly desire them like Paul told us to do. And our vision is for this to become part of our church culture. This kind of Holy Spirit ministry happening every time we gather. People praying for each other on Sundays, expecting the Spirit to show up in worship or when we receive prayer from the prayer team or during prayer time at life groups. In general, of course, the Holy Spirit's work in us is slow. And that's very good. It's a grace in our lives. But the times the Spirit shows up in power, it's like a download like the matrix, which I, I know ages me. It's like we couldn't know or grasp something, and now we do. Now we can suddenly do complicated martial arts and parkour at the same time. <laughs> A few years ago, I went to the prayer team at church because I sensed I needed prayer about a relationship in my life that was broken. And I thought I had worked through everything that person had done to me, But suddenly I was ugly crying because the prayers they were praying were touching a part of my soul that I didn't know was still wounded by that person. I didn't know it was a thing at all. I thought I was completely fine, and suddenly I knew I wasn't. It was an instant download, and it was a moment of healing. When that prayer time was done, I was more free from the pain of that relationship. And if we want to become a church where Holy Spirit ministry is normative, we have to be intentional. That means asking God to give you a word of encouragement or a specific prayer to pray for someone during ministry time. And then taking a risk, getting some courage, going to them and saying, can I pray for you? 
This means going back to the prayer team and receiving prayer and expecting that something might happen by the Spirit. It also means paying attention to your body during worship and during ministry time, noticing if something unusual is happening, if you sense an elevated heart rate or temperature or a shakiness that comes over you or you feel like you want to cry. All of those are physical signs that the Holy Spirit is working in you. And if you feel them, it's a great time to ask for prayer because there might be some good work that God's ready and eager to do in you. And this is why every Sunday we wait on the Holy Spirit during ministry time, that kind of awkward silence thing we do. It's not just for reflection or to make you miserable. It's so we can pay attention to what's going on in our body and heart so that we have time to ask for a word for someone else. It's an opportunity that we give you every Sunday to engage in Holy Spirit ministry. So church, let's take more holy risks together and grow in this way. And of course, there's a caution that a church or a person can get obsessed with Holy Spirit ministry and only seek feel-good experiences of the Holy Spirit, or that things get a little wild on Sunday, you'll notice this is not an open prophecy mic. You know, we're not going to get out of order. And, and people who are really, like, into that can sometimes only want these flashes, you know, these downloads, and they're not pursuing that slow daily work of transformation. And that's a mistake, We need the slow, daily work of the Spirit transforming our character. But we need both. And we need both to be our church culture. So let's pursue both. Let's make it normative to see lots of prayer happening in our gathering and lots of expectancy. And make it normal to be people whose character is always being refined by the Spirit. And as we do, we will find ourselves flowing in the kind of community building we're doing here. We'll find ourselves with grace to love people who annoy us. We'll find ourselves with the courage to walk over to our neighbor when they're outside and and have a little conversation. We'll find ourselves with the grace to sit with our anxiety and let the Spirit minister calm and safety over us until we have the energy to be with people. The Spirit is how we become a loving community. As with all things in the kingdom of God, it means we choose to participate in what God is doing. We're actively involved. But it also means that it's not all on us, not all on our own effort. As we learn to trust and depend on the Spirit, the more we find that when the Spirit nudges us towards something, the Spirit also empowers us to do it. So as we're wrapping up, I want to talk about our next steps. Next steps is something we do every Sunday. And it's just an opportunity. It's one of the opportunities we create at the end of the service to engage with God to say, what are you showing me through this message? What's my specific action step from here? And so every week I ask you to grab the orange Connect card out of the seat back pocket in front of you, and along with a pen. And that Connect card is for um, people who are first-time guests here to tell us a little about themselves. And if that's um, something that you would like to do and you're first-time guest here, please, please take advantage of that right now. But you can flip it over, and on the back side, there's a section that says, Today my next step is. So here's a couple next steps that you might want to consider. First of all, Earlier in this message, I invited you to begin a relationship with Jesus today. If you want to do that, on the front side of that card, there's a box that says, 
I'm interested in beginning a relationship with Jesus. That's convenient. You can check that. Put your name and number on the card, and I'll talk to you this week. We'll have that conversation. Otherwise, here's a couple ways you might want to interact with this message and take a next step. Maybe you can write down the area you most need to cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That might be personal transformation, the work of character in you. Inviting the Spirit to help you understand your emotions or being empowered to minister to others. Which one is the one that you want to ask Jesus to help you grow in? And then just write a prayer. Just write a prayer right on the card asking the Spirit to begin working in you in that way. Another way, as I've been talking about in this message, that we engage with the Holy Spirit during our services is in ministry time. And that's something we do every week at the end of service. And because we're so... um, hopeful and excited for what the Spirit is doing. We do some work ahead of the service for you to make it even easier. We gather as a prayer team on Sundays. It's at 925. It's open to everyone. And we pray for the service, and then we say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing today? Do you want to speak some specific messages to us uh, for someone here this morning? So we invite you to read those, and if you feel like one of them is, is like, relevant to something going on in your life right now, we invite you to go to the prayer team, which is in the back of the room, right in front of the lamps. And and you can just go anytime at the end of our service and receive prayer from them and see what the Holy Spirit might want to do. There might be something really awesome that happens for you. And we always encourage you to do that. And so uh, we uh, today are going to focus our ministry time on one specific family, and that's the McGrath family. Would you uh, be ready to come up, Terry and Maggie? Would you also come up, core team, to help me? The McGraths are um, a family that's dear to us. They've been here for over three years, and now uh, God is calling them on to a new ministry adventure with Jesus in Indianapolis through the Antioch Church Movement. And Maggie and Terry, um, there's lots of stories that happened with you before I even came along that we would love to share in our party right after church. Uh, But one thing that I just want to say was so special to me was uh, Terry and Maggie were asked to be on the search committee for a new pastor two years ago when I was... um, asked to candidate for the role. And from the just very beginning, even of the search process, Terry and Maggie communicated their trust in me, their support of me, their love for me. And when someone says, I trust you, and they don't actually know you, they're offering it as a gift before you deserve it, before you've earned it. And that was so huge to me. It gave me the confidence I needed to take on this role that I wasn't sure I was ready for. And it made an enormous difference in my life and ministry. Thank you. So what we want to do is pray for you. Um, but a couple of us have a few words we want to share for you. Um, and then I'll pray over you. And then I would just invite you to like step off the stage right here. And when we start singing our last song, anyone that wants to come pray for Maggie and Terry and give a word to them or just pray over them, you can do that. So I think a couple of us had a word we wanted to share, and I need the microphone for that. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, so um, 
when I was praying about this uh, transition for you guys um, this week, and after Amanda talked to us about it, um, the word I got was was honor. Um, just as a word of encouragement to you guys, um, and it had, I just felt like it had sort of two dimensions to it. One was relational, and in, in that um, you guys have, you know, honored God with your life. And I feel like in these moments, in these transitions now that we're recognizing and, and where you're going, um, God's honoring you in this. Um, so that was the first sort of dimension to the word was just that um, it's relational that, that as you're honoring God, he's honoring back to you. And then um, the, the second dimension was of it was just time, just that since you guys have come and... Uh, and what you guys have done for us and our families and, and the whole church, um, that's been in honoring to God. And then now as you go forward, the encouragement is to, to just continue to live that example of a life of honoring to God. Um, and, and great, great stuff's going to happen. So thank you. Amen. Um, I, I don't know. Probably not everyone in the room knows what you're doing. Um, so this is a move to put you in a better place to serve. Um, so just being faithful to how God is calling you. So as I was thinking about this and knowing how difficult it's been to say bye to people you've invested in and you care about deeply, um, I felt like it's important to remember that you've given us a gift in how you're pursuing what God is calling you to do, that you're giving us an example. Um, so I feel like there's a word for the church in that, that if we will be, um, responding to how the Spirit will lead. God will move us in and do powerful things here. And um, so thank you for how you have given us that gift as you go. So it's not just a goodbye, but you're, you're still impacting us and leading us in that. Um, I was also just kind of asking God, like, what do you have for them as they kind of get into place? And I felt like um, I asked, you know, is this going to be a hard thing? And I didn't feel like it was necessarily a like a world of difficulty that was coming, but I also didn't necessarily feel like it was a world of super easy, but I felt like God was just saying, just keep doing what you're doing and step into how the spirit is leading you. And that's a kingdom move. So thank you. Yeah. 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 Amen. Thank you. Um, I, I felt like an encouragement the Lord had for you was, uh, just a word, uh, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And just Jesus saying, I will be as a light to you. But oftentimes you're going to see the light in, in people. And they'll have a something for you that you need right then and in your path. And that he's providing that ahead of time for you. Um, and I just also felt the Lord saying, I know, I know all the hidden costs of this choice that nobody else can see and what this is costing your family and just referring to sort of the cost of discipleship and the Bonhoeffer sense and just um, your obedience and the Lord honors you for it and is proud of you for it. And um, your example here is going to produce choices of discipleship in this church family even after you're gone. So thank you. Thank you. May we pray for you.
Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for the McGraths. We're so grateful to you for their time here, for the gift of their time here. We wanted it to be longer, but you had other plans, so now we just say thank you for what we had. Thank you for the mark they leave on this church family. Thank you for what they invested in us, the seeds they planted that they won't get to see harvested. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that we were worth it to them and that you thought we were worth it to have them, the special, wonderful gifts they are. And now, Holy Spirit, would you come and empower them for this new season of ministry? Would you fill them with wisdom and discernment, with excitement and enthusiasm for all the work ahead of them? Even for the settling in and the moving part, would you give them joy over it, not duty? Would you give them anticipation of the new relationships they'll build? And it would, it would be thought of with joy and not with um, exhaustion, thinking of building something new, that you would give them a desire for all the changes that they're facing. We pray that you'd give them such a centeredness in their family that when they come together at the close of a day, they would feel so safe and secure and at home, even in a new city, in a new neighborhood. Bless their every move. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, so, again, we just invite you to continue to pray for them up front as we sing our last song. Engage how you need to. Come and pray for the McGraths. Receive prayer. Sing whatever you need to do. As soon as we're done with the service, um, we will have a party in the lobby for the McGraths to say goodbye. <laughs>